And then what I start doing is I start staying after hours. This is where I learned everything. So I would hang out after the gym closed, door locked. I would stay with the custodian, and I'd walk around with him. I'd work out, and I'd follow Jose around. I'd be like, why are you using this on the floor? Why do you clean the urinals with that? Why do you guys buy this particular chemical? And I would, like, literally, I had a notepad in my office because I was a salesperson, and I wrote down everything. And I would show my father. I'm like, look, this is what I learned today. It was, like, and it was like literally coming home and saying, Dad, look what I did today. Instead of going to school and getting an A, I came home and said, look, I learned this. We are here on Halo Talks, Tribeca. I have the pleasure of welcoming from Philadelphia by way of Orlando back to Philly to the IFA to Mulberry and Vine, Eric Casaberry, who I had the pleasure of meeting only four days ago. That's right. right. That's Three right, days man. ago, actually. Three days ago. And we made Orlando. this fast. That's how quick we book people. We do. We do. Because in case we don't want to do too much research to find out, like, oh, what's the show about? <laughs> I'll bring my own video and audio guy with me get some in case here. that doesn't work. <laughs> All right. So, so Eric and I probably should have met like 10 or 15 years That's ago. Right. Yep. Fortunately, we went four days ago. So, Eric, talk to me about how you started in the fitness industry when you were... 12 I was about 12 13? when I think about <laughs> Well, no, my real start in the fitness industry was I was about 13 years old because I wanted to work out in the gym, and my mother refused to pay for a gym membership for me. Wow. Okay. So she's, she's like, so go work out in the gym and work in the gym, and you get that membership for free. And I was like, okay. And literally, she would drop me off there after school. Yeah. I would scrub urinals, change urinal cakes, and empty out like crappy shit out of locker rooms that no one wanted to touch. That was my job. Okay. as like a 13-year-old kid. But I was so into the weights, and I loved it so much. Like, I, I just loved it. I was a big kid. I was an athlete. I played sports. Right. So I loved being in the gyms. And while I was there, I was just telling Chris you know, and, you know, earlier, when I was 15 years old, they had a certification in the gym for personal training. And you had to be 18 to take the certification. So I lied about my age, like any other Jersey kid would kind of do, right? <laughs> so still do. Still do. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, now it's just a little <laughs> different. So I lied about my age. I took the certification. I was 15 years old. And then my first personal training client was my dentist because – he would say to me, he's like, my God, he goes, you have all these muscles, kid. He goes, and he was a big, heavy set guy. In fact, when I used to get like my teeth cleaned, my brother and I would say, oh, you're going in for the bear hug. Because he would put you in a bear hug, and he'd get you the in dentist. there. And it was like just this giant man boob and like an arm. And really? I was like, I got to get this guy in shape. I'm like, he's going he's gonna to suffocate me one day to death in the chair. They're going to do like so, instead of Real Housewives of New Jersey, Real Dentist <laughs> real of dentists. New Jersey. But I, legit, I, I took like 60 pounds off this guy as like a 16-year-old kid. Like I, I legit got this guy in pretty good shape. That's, really? not, that's, that's actually just, But you were an underage personal trainer at that point I was I wow. was making stupid money I was making like he paid me like 50 bucks an hour for that like I was pretty good money you beat the hell out of mowing the lawn for my dad for like 8 cents you know like did you get free anything. dental or not no I didn't that's not really <laughs> thank god dental. my father was a cop he had like really good uh, <laughs> he had all kinds so of so what was the name dental. of the first gym that you worked at so the first gym I worked at was then a powerhouse gym oh, wow. it was a powerhouse gym in Freehold New Jersey it was a long time ago so Powerhouse, it, for people that don't know, there were, there were really three health club chains back in the day. It was Gold's World and Powerhouse. That's it. Basically, well, the story that I would say is that you get a Powerhouse if, you, if the Gold's in the world isn't available. Exactly. And you that's got a Powerhouse. And that was my first own brand gym was that, believe it or not. So working in there, that's all I ever knew. So when I went to college, I'm a college dropout, proudly. And when we, when that, congratulations! Thank you, thank you. That's the only reason why I'm here right now. Okay, <laughs> I you got your own video guy. No one I know, else does here. So you've gotten somewhere. <laughs> you drop out of school, you get one of these. So I legitimately—it's uh, a compliment, by the way. A huge. You think you're very talented. 
Well, they, go. Oh, their work is good. Watch my show, it's The Weekly awesome. Game. It's phenomenal. Um, all right. Okay, all right. We had a plug. Okay. All right. We're just plugging. Yeah, we're plug plugging. You've got to plug yeah. something on here. Yeah. Yeah. Came from Jersey. In this. Came <laughs> from Jersey. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, sorry. Oh, come to try that back tunnel. up from Jersey. Run a downgrade. This interview is going to be two hours if we don't get through this. Yeah, we'll get through it. All right. So the first opportunity I have in, in the business, I go to college for exercise science. I worked as a personal trainer all through school. That's all I did. That's all I ever did was work in the gyms. And a buddy of mine, a friend of a friend, calls me up and says, hey, this guy Joe, he's opening a gym, and he's looking for a guy that like, knows a lot about the industry. He's like, do you want to work? He goes, he knows you work in all these gyms. Do you want to get involved as a partner in this gym? I don't have two nickels to rub together. I literally just told my father I was leaving Arizona State like the week before, and I'm coming back to Jersey. And he's like, well, you got to come up with like 60 grand. I'm at 60 grand. I'm like, uh, yeah, I got nothing. Divided right? by 50 yeah, right. dollars per so, dental workout. So my father, I go to my father, of course. He yeah. goes, all right, he goes, two conditions. He goes, you have to convince Uncle Buddy and Uncle Frank to give you half. That's a great story in and of itself. Okay. And you have they to also grow. live in Jersey? They live in, no, they live in, they're, they're now in Long Island. Oh. <laughs> they're Long Island guys. Upgraded. They're Long, Long Island. Island. They upgraded. They upgraded. From that, it's okay. And so I had to convince Uncle Buddy and Uncle Frank. And then I also had to go work in the Staten Island Gold's Gym on Highland Boulevard. And here's the reason why. My father's jewelry store was in Staten Island. Every day he would drive by the gym on the 440. Every day, no matter what time he went, what time of year, the gym was always packed. He goes, you go there. He goes, I don't care if you go there as a $7 an hour person. Whatever you do, he goes, go and work there. He goes, and find out everything they do. Wow. And I was like, shit, that's some OTJ right there, right? I gotta, <laughs> I'm doing the on-the-job training stuff. I'm like, oh, my right. God, OJT, right? So I go and I work. I take a job as a trainer. Like, literally, $7.25, $7.25 an hour was the minimum wage. And uh-huh. I, so I went in there, and what I did, I broke every one of their training records. So immediately, like a month into it, the, the manager says, will you come into sales? I'm like, sure, but I have to keep my clients because I need that money. So I go into the sales department, the training department. And then what I start doing is I start staying after hours. This is where I learned everything. So I would hang out after the gym closed, the door would lock, and I would stay with the custodian. And I'd walk around with him. I'd work out, and I'd follow Jose around. I'd be like, why are you using this on the floor? Why do you clean the urinals with that? Why do you guys buy this particular chemical? And I would, like, literally, I had a notepad in my office because I was a salesperson, and I wrote yeah. down everything. And I would show my father. I'm like, look, this is what I learned today. And I was, like, literally coming home and saying, Dad, look what I did today. Instead of going to school and getting an A, I came home and said, look, I learned this. And then at lunchtime, I would bring my tubbleware and I would sit with Grace. That was the name of the bookkeeper. I would sit in Grace's office and I would literally eat my lunch with her and ask her questions. Who do you process those credit cards with? Why, how come when I sell a membership, I come in here and you do this with checking accounts? Why do you want us to push those EFTs? That was EFT back then, right? Remember the checking accounts? Electronic they, funds They transfer. knew it, baby. So Amazing. I'm like, why do you want me to always sell with a voided check? Why? Like, I would ask this and I realized now I really know why. Holy shit. Brian Mitchell. Most people have that. money in their bank account more than they do on their credit card. Keep going. Correct. And nobody changes their credit card. No, no, I'm sorry, nobody changes no their, changes check their, their bank, credit card. Right. And they always change their credit card. Unless, yeah, so they, we figured that little trick right, out. Yeah. So subsequent to that, so I do all this work. In the meantime, I'm convincing Uncle Buddy and Uncle Frank that I'm like, I'm, I'm, the, guy to back, I'm the guy to back right now. I'm going to come in. So Uncle Buddy and Uncle Frank, they decided to lend me 30000 at a 6% interest rate. Wow. And it was payable over three years. And my father said, I'll do the same. So here's the funny part of the story. Back then, before it was Wells Fargo, it was Wachovia, it was First Union Bank, right? So First mm-hmm. Union was the bank that gave us the SBA loan, which my father, in fact, did co-sign on. <laughs> With his down payment and Uncle, and Uncle Frank's. And then I had a partner who his father gave him the money. That's how this whole deal went down. Every month, I kid you not, on the first of the month, the checks had to get cut for everyone that was owed money. Uncle Frank's, Uncle Buddy's, and my father's check got written first. And I told my partner, I'm like, listen, First Union is not going to show up on the door with a baseball bat. Uncle Bunny, Uncle Frank, they will. I'm like, and they're, 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 they got to get paid. So this we is not paid. what friends and family No, yeah, right. Yeah. To be, friends and family investment is okay. much different in my family. Like, we'll give you the money, but you're going you're gonna to get a bat if you, don't, if you don't pay us back. That's kind of how it really works in our family. Right. I don't know about yours. So 
that gym was ironically in a very geographically successful place. And I tell people about geographic success in business because we made a lot of mistakes, like a crap ton of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And because we were in a good location with the wrong competition, we were able to kind of stumble through and keep learning and growing as we were screwing up. Mm -hmm. So most of what I, I did wrong, including my first lease, I tell my, my $50,000 one word mistake in my lease, my very first lease I had, didn't have the term unreasonably withhold from the landlord. So he charged me 50 grand when I sold that gym to transfer that lease. Yeah, <laughs> it was sure. a disaster. So stories like that I tell people. I made a lot of those mistakes. First gym opened in 1997. It was a powerhouse because that's all we knew. Right. And then I realized my third year into it, I was on my third gym. And when it was Rick Romeo. Remember Rick Romeo? Romeo remember that yeah, name there? Sure. Okay. So Rick calls me up. He's the licensed director for the powerhouse gyms. And he says to me, hey, you know that pro forma thing that you use every time you go get money from your new partners? He's like, can I borrow that? <laughs> I was like, wait, I pay you every fucking month a royalty and you're asking me for tools for the, to open gyms? He's like, yeah, we have a big gym in Vegas and we need it. Can you help us and do it? And also, if I give you the numbers, will you fill it all out? I was like, yeah, Rick, sure. I actually did it. Like, the nice guy I am, I did. I gave him the tool. I showed it to him. Okay. They did this deal in Vegas. They put a powerhouse gym. I don't know what happened to this gym. I should look into that. I should Google it. I don't think it's there anymore. It's probably not. Performer was good. Yeah, the performer was great. The performer was probably spot for, on, right? man. We knew where the money had <laughs> the to go. The execution that was so there. So I, I do this, this deal with them. And, then, and like a year later, I realized a lot of things where the tail was wagging the dog. And I'm like, yeah, this is because my operations manual for my personal gyms was like this. And theirs was like this. Well, most people don't do the work that you did, you know. That's what it was. I did the work. I, I put the yeah. time. I put the work in. My wife worked for the Limited Corp back then. So the Limited that was like Express, Express 2, mm -hmm. uh, Structure. Like, well, it was a, a conglomerate of, of retail stores. Sure. And Kim was like an awesome DM for them. So I would go through her manual about like retail and management. Like, and she would literally come home and like coach me up. So I was, when you talk about like hard knocks, school of hard knocks, like I learned like from anywhere I could learn something from. Mm -hmm. And then, I, you know, I did all the Tony Robbins stuff and mm -hmm. then I would go to Zig Ziglar and I would, I would go to anywhere there was a seminar, I would, I would try and go mm -hmm. outside of working 16 hours in the gym. Did you, did you sometimes say like, okay, I can hire somebody that might do this or like, why don't I just become an expert at it first so I know who to hire? Like, how, how did you think about that as you so try to delegate something? I was very fortunate that early on people some really good people landed in my lap. Now, my first partner was a little crazy, so I lost a lot of those really good people. In the he, fitness industry? Oh, my God. No, really? not there. No. He was six foot nine, like 380 pounds, and that's not a, a, that not is a not, tell. That's not all. an inflated right. like, okay. stat. Like, he was a big NFL-looking guy. And when, like, he would get mad. But he like, wasn't he, in the NFL. He, he actually played in the NFL oh, for a week okay. on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, he did. Okay. And when he would get pissed off, he wouldn't, like, just, like, oh, go like that. Like, a chair or a desk. A, a full side would fly across, like, our office. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, it, it, in my office, like when it was angry in there, like it was, it was crazy. He was a, he was a. So why there's a helmet man. in your office of a? You like looking out <laughs> for this? Wear my helmet. When when there's a uh, NFL. I got a great story. I'll tell you all the time about like when his ex-wife came in and, and said she was leaving. That was that day. I, I He's was, at a risk to the business. No one talks. No about one the talks about this kind of. No one wants to tell these stories in business. <laughs> they want to say how we made the money and what we did. No, these are the real stories of an entrepreneur, right? Of course. So, we, no, I, I found I, a couple of really good people did land in my lap though, and I was. Fortunate enough to be able to identify a couple of good people. My VP right now, Matt, he's been with me since my son was born, right? So Manahawken opened in 2001, and Matt's now a VP. Of my, he's been with me forever. Like, he's stayed with me through everything. There's, I've gotten to be, but he was the first person I delegated to. So to answer your question, yeah, I found a manager that was really dynamic, and he had all the tools and did things better than me. And I was humble enough to say, holy crap, he's better than me at all of this organizational stuff. Because I'm like, you know, listen, I, I can be good in sales. I can be good in talking. I can be good in, in, in innovation and thinking. But I don't want to do any of this payroll stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to work a schedule. Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with the robust instructors. I don't want to do. Any, I, I, that's not me. 
he did that really, really well. And then mm -hmm. I started to realize, okay, I need an ops person, someone to like manage that component. I need someone to do my bookkeeping. I need, and you, you know, in the beginning, your bookkeeper is like, okay, you see your accountant once a year. Okay, here mm -hmm. it all is. You hand him the checkbook register. <laughs> like, hope for the best. Hope That's what we did. <laughs> once but a year. But you do the business at that point. So you yeah, kinda... because, yeah, because I, I was always of the mindset, if you can make it rain, it all problems go away, right? right. I mean, that's and I, I was a rainmaker, man. That's what I did. Right. So now with the, so, so we're going to do a much longer podcast some other point, but sure. uh, in the interest of time, like give people a little background on how you started retro, where it is today, and 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 where you want to take it, and then you and I'll have the side conversation okay. with with Chris. Sure. Yeah. We Scott, do you know he works with me now? Right? Uh, he, okay. Yeah. You're on the clock with him now. You're off my <laughs> clock. <laughs> so so retro company. fitness. So retro fitness. We we launched retro fitness 2005. I branded my own personal gyms. I converted them. Yeah. That was when I separated from from the other guys. And then uh, 2006, I started franchising the business model mm -hmm. because I had three gyms of my own. And uh, a lot of my attorneys and my accountants that were seeing all my book work, they were saying, we want to invest. We want to invest with you on your next one, your next one. And I was running out of bandwidth. I was at three gyms and I was like, I just had two kids. And I'm like, holy shit, I, I, I'm going to get divorced or I'm going to be one of those dads that always says, I wish I did this. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, how can I scale this still? Because I still wanted to grow the brand because I knew I, I had lightning in a bottle. And franchising was the way that I decided was mm -hmm. going to be the way to do it. And we wound up... I, for a friend of a friend happened to be friends with Jerry Marks who happened to be like this guru in New Jersey of franchise law and he happened to be like two miles from my house it was, just like, it was one of those just like wow that's, that's a cool coincidence right. and it worked out really well for me and these guys sat me down and educated me on like franchise law and the whole book and I was like, this, like okay, here's what we're going to do and do this, this, this and this so in 2006 we started selling franchise to people that kept, were coming to me already so like we put on like six gyms like in like two months because people were asking me and we had the model scale. They saw how we built out a club. I had the architects. I had the design people. I had the, all the vendors were already teed up. Right. You know, dying to do business with us. And it was right before the recession. Right? So 2008 hits. So a year into it, and I start doing $19 a month. Because Brian So you Mitchell, look at the Planet Fitness type of model? Brian, our friend, our mutual friend Brian, sure. called me up. He's like, you got to check out this, what these guys are doing up in New Hampshire. He's like, it's kind of interesting. He goes, your gyms are nicer. He's like, but just look at the business model. See if you can make it work. Mm -hmm. So one of my partners was actually a CPA, and she was awesome. She was a dynamic in individual, and she was brilliant. And I said, I'm thinking about doing this. Can we make it work in our gym? And we had a gym. She was a partner in one of the gyms. And we literally spent countless hours, I mean, like a lot of hours at night, after hours, after she closed her office, and we went through green sheets of all different businesses that were doing value-type business. Mm -hmm. And we compared ourselves to these other businesses, marketing budgets, uh, expenses, what your current rate, you know, revenue ratios by, by are. By looking at their By looking at their, yeah. Documents. So we looked at okay. like-kind okay. service businesses that were uh -huh. in a value proposition-type mm -hmm. business. And I was fortunate enough that they had a huge base of clientele, so I got to see a lot of green sheets. You know those, those green sheets, right? Yeah, On sure. A lot of companies. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was able to, again, student of the game outside of school, and look at all this and say, okay, this could work. And, it, and we realized in New Jersey and New York, where everyone was paying $39, $49, $59, $69 a month minimum for a regular gym, we were able to make 19 work. So we came into New Jersey, and like when we flipped on the switch, and then the recession hit like I am not an economist I know nothing about like how the market trends work that's not my gig but we timed it so well mm -hmm. that we became rock stars overnight like all of a sudden everyone was like holy crap I got to cancel doing getting my nails done I, I can't go pay $79 a month and people were thanking us that they were joining our gym I was right. like they're handing us their money and they're saying thank you that's kind of that's a really cool business to be in right we ran that we ran that road hard for, the, for a couple of years. So you were, you were selling franchises in New Jersey as well as... New Jersey, New York uh, was our primary core. Right. We did a couple in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And then 2013 hits, I get featured on Undercover Boss, and then poof, like overnight. Like it crashed, like ask Brian. We thought we had cloud set up for our web. It crashed. Every, every time zone the show aired, our website just crashed. And we thought we were ready for it. We, we weren't. 
And we sold 60 franchises in that year alone. And it just was like, and then the rest was like just adding, adding layers to the cake. That's great. Building it. Yeah. That's great. So yeah. um, we're, we're going we're gonna to do a longer podcast. Sure. But uh, I wanted everyone to know about Retro Fitness. Oh, Eric, thank you, thank you thank for you. coming down. Thank and, you. And um, looking forward to working with you on a number of different yeah, opportunities man. here. So I want to thank everybody for coming to Halo right. Talks Tribeca. And uh, we will be doing these events on a monthly basis. And it will be halotalks.com. Halotalks.com. Later.